me to um, the book of Galatians, Galatians, the third chapter, Galatians chapter three. And um, for some reason, Sister Christy, it's, it's coming in and out on my end. So if you want to try to follow along with us and amen, we'll try to get you some verses up on the screen this morning. Um, Galatians chapter three, I want to talk to you for a few moments and then we'll uh, enjoy communion together, the Lord's Supper together, but Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 13, Galatians 3 and 13, amen. Once you find it, look up at me, praise God. Galatians 3 and 13, I'm going to talk to you for just a moment, amen. We have been uh, on a very lengthy sermon series, we, it, more than a series, there's been lots of sermon series within a theme for 2019, and, and our theme for 2019 here at Heritage has been giving the Lord place, giving Him place in your life, giving Him place in your family, and, and, and so the last several weeks we've been talking about giving Him place in your thoughts, and we've talked about the importance and the power of mindset, and how a mindset upon the things of the Spirit will enable us to not only be spiritually minded, but will enable us to live our lives according to what is written upon our born-again spirit in agreement with, directed by, what already lives and exists and dwells within you. Amen. And so with that said this morning, we're going to look at what the Bible says pertaining to some pretty uh, heavy things, and, and it has to do with, with this word called curse and, and, and living under a curse and being cursed, okay? Now, what you really need to understand about this uh, before I even read the verse is that every human being that has been born on planet Earth since Adam has been born under this curse, amen? But Jesus came to bring us out from under that curse, now, there's a lot of people, and so I'm just trying to weave this in before we look in the verse with what we've been talking about already. And there's, so there's a lot of folks who have been redeemed from the curse and are no longer under it, but, but they still think like someone who's under the curse. They, 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 their, their mindset is, is one that looks more like the mindset of someone living under the curse versus someone who is no longer under that curse, amen? So I got good news for you this morning. If you've been born again, you're not under the curse anymore. You're not living under that anymore, and there's no need for you to experience what people who do live under that curse experience in their lives, amen. All right, Galatians chapter three, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I'm going to read that to you one more time. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Look at your neighbor and say, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen. Well, look at your neighbor on your other side and tell them again, just like you mean it. Amen. Christ has redeemed me. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. How did he redeem us from the curse of the law? He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, 
that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, I want to unpack some of this for you this morning. I want to kind of break some of this down for you. And the first thing we see here is that this word redeemed, it means literally to buy out from. It's a Greek compound word. And so again, to buy, B-U-Y, like buy something, to buy out, to buy out from. So the idea is that those who are under the curse, right, when Jesus redeemed us from the curse, he did it by buying us out from under it. He bought us out from the curse, okay? And he did this by becoming a curse for us. So again, you see this here in the, in the scriptures, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Now, I've been asked this a few times over the years, that, that statement in parentheses in verse 13, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He's quoting from the Old Testament, amen, and, and, and it speaks of, you know, there someone being hung from a tree, like hung by the neck. Here, he's taking that from the Old Testament where, you know, these things were pointing ultimately to Jesus. And we know that Jesus was hung on a tree by crucifixion, right? So cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. We'll hopefully get to this morning, if not, we'll definitely get to it tonight, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Now, Gentile here means more than a non-Jewish man or woman, okay? In other words... Uh, I, I was not born, uh, you know, a Jewish male, so to speak. I, 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 am, I am a non-Jewish uh, by, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, uh, ethnicity or what have you. I, I was not born uh, a, a, a Jewish person, okay? But, but this word Gentile here means more than non-Jew. It, it refers to someone who is on the outside looking in. It's, it's speaking of someone who does not have a covenant with God. Remember, the Jewish people in the Old Testament were the ones who had the covenant with God. The non-Jewish people were on the outside looking in. It wasn't that God was trying to exclude them. As a matter of fact, we see a lot of people who converted to Judaism and, and got in on the, uh, the blessing of God by practicing the Jewish customs, traditions, and laws. But here when he says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, he's talking about us experiencing the same benefit Amen. The same uh, favor, the same empowerment from heaven to, uh, to succeed and be successful. Now, um, I know some of you hear me use this verse a lot, but Deuteronomy 6 and 23 says that God brought his people out of slavery in Egypt so that he might bring them into the promised land. He didn't just bring them out of Egypt to prove that he could do it. He brought them out of Egypt for a purpose. And now this is our New Testament version for you and me. This is a New Testament version of Deuteronomy 6.23. He became a curse for us, not just so that we would not be cursed anymore, but he became a curse for us to buy us out from under the curse so that we could now receive the blessing of Abraham in our lives as non-Jewish people. Well, that's just a straight up excellent place to say amen. Now turn with me to Isaiah 53 because I want to explain a little more to you what it meant for Jesus to become a curse for you. Amen. So just a couple of lines. The first 
uh, line this morning that Matt sang was, he became sin who knew no sin. Amen. And then either the last song or the next to last song that we sang, um, there was a line in it that said, the weight of every curse was upon him. Amen. And so they had no idea this is what I was preaching on this morning, but the Holy Spirit knew. And, and that's, that is, is uh, those lines uh, are, are in alignment with uh, what we're talking about today and what the Bible teaches us about these things. So when we see that we've been redeemed out from under the curse, the word redeemed, again, is, is letting us know that a price had to be paid. Let me, and I don't, I'm not trying to be silly, and I'm certainly not trying to be disrespectful, but it wasn't like that God just waved a magic wand. And, and somehow, just because He decided that we're out from under this curse. No, we, we accumulated a debt that had to be paid in order for us to come out from under that curse. Okay? And Jesus willingly came to this planet and paid that debt for us by becoming a curse. All right? Now, this is really important. And, and one of the ways that, that I try to illustrate this is with this idea of the scales of justice. God is a just God. He can't just sweep wrong under the rug because any wrong that's committed has created a debt that has to be settled. Okay? So um, let's, let's just say for a minute that, um, that I wronged my brother Matthew. I wronged him. Let's just say I... Uh, I stole one of his Volkswagens from him. I wronged him. Okay? And Paul decides that he's going to forgive me for stealing Matt's Volkswagen. Well, I appreciate the sentiment there, Paul, but Paul hasn't been wronged here. Matt's been wronged. And so for me to be forgiven for stealing his Volkswagen, right? You understand what I'm saying? There's, there is a, a, a debt that has, has uh, been incurred here. In other words, in order for this to be just, he has to be compensated for his loss. Are you following what I'm saying? So even if, let's say I stole his Volkswagen and I, and I sold it and then spent the money and I don't have any way to pay him back, he can still forgive me, but what he's saying is that he's going to, in essence, bear that loss himself. There's still a loss that has to be bore. There's still a, a loss, a debt that, that has to be settled. Now, I know that's a real basic way of, of representing this here, but again, God is a just God. And so we've all, the Bible says, uh, sinned. And even all have sinned willfully. Willfully sinning means that we knew it was a sin and we did it anyway. The Bible calls that an iniquity. You ever heard that word in the Old Testament or New Testament? An iniquity. An iniquity is when you absolutely know what's wrong and you just go ahead and haul off and do it anyway. Right? And the Bible says that God has laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. Right? So, if we think about it in terms of the scales of justice, 
Picture all of us on this side of the scales of justice. We've got it weighed down pretty heavily here with all of our sin and all of the wrong that we've done and the rebellion and just our sorriness, okay? We need some way to balance this scale, yes, but not just balance the scale. This is what you've got to see here, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will help you see this. Jesus did not just come. He did not just come to balance the scales. He came to tip the scales in your favor. There is a huge difference between balancing the scales and tipping the scales in your favor. This is what it means He became a curse for you, not just to balance the scales, but to tip them in your favor. He came so that the blessing of Abraham might now be upon you. Okay? Now, the only way this is possible is if we could find someone who is less deserving of punishment than we are deserving of it. Are you with me so far? In other words, we, we all had it coming, and my friend, I'm not, listen, if you don't think you did, then you know, bless your darling heart. We all had it coming. We were all doomed with no way out from under the curse that our sin had trapped us under. And the only way we're going to be able to come out from under that is if somebody can pay our debt. Who's qualified to do that? Who, who is less deserving of death, hell, and the grave than all of us were deserving of it? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He did not deserve it more than we all did deserve it. So when he stepped on the other side of the scales of justice, to balance those scales. He didn't just balance them, right? He tipped them all the way over now in our favor. Okay? Now, this is what he did. Isaiah 53 talks about what Jesus did to become a curse for us. So let's begin at verse number 1. Isaiah 53, 1, it says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, let me, praise God, let me just take a moment here. When it says, who has believed our report, he's talking about the things that, that the Lord has revealed to him to tell to us. The things that we know from the Word of God to be true. But now he's asking us, who has believed our report? In other words, he is giving the report, but... Who is making the deliberate, intentional choice of believing the report? It's one thing to hear the report. It's another thing to believe the report. Amen. And so this is the report of the Lord. Who has believed our report? Question mark. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord. Anytime you see the arm of the Lord, he's talking about the strength of God on your behalf. The arm of the Lord revealed would be like God rolling up his sleeves and, and, and flexing his muscle, revealing his might, revealing his ability on your behalf. Now, the answer to these two questions are, are linked. Let me say it another way. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Those who have believed our report. 
In other words, those who believe the report are the ones who have the arm of the Lord revealed in their lives. Those who reject the report, those who refuse to believe what it is that God is saying to them, the good news that He's proclaiming to them, the arm of the Lord will never be revealed to them. So you believe the report, and, and in believing the report, the arm of the Lord, the strength of God to bring the report to pass in your life and family will be revealed to you. If you never believe the report, you will never see the arm. Even, watch this now, and thank you Holy Spirit, even when the arm of the Lord is working in your life, even when the goodness, because remember, He is good to those who love Him and to those who do not. He makes His sun to shine on the just and the unjust. God is a good God. He's a merciful God. Jeremiah says it this way, that you will not see good when it comes. Amen. So God's good to you, but you'll never see it. You'll never understand that He's the one that's been helping you that whole time. Are you, am I the only one in this room? I don't think I am. Are you a lot like me looking back on your life? You see now when He was for you and you didn't realize He was. He was helping you when you didn't know. You just thought you were a good driver and it was angels the whole time. You just thought you were lucky and it was the grace of God the whole time. You just thought you were in the right place at the right time when somebody else was in the wrong place at the wrong time and it turns out that it was God's Spirit directing you and, and a grandmother somewhere praying for you the whole time. You believe the report and the arm will be revealed. Verse 2, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground, for he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. The arm of the Lord has been revealed to those who have believed the report of the Lord. All right, now let's move to verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. Now, let's spend a moment with verse number four. The first word I want you to see is that word born, B-O-R-N-E, okay? It says, surely, I mean, that we would maybe say it this way, without a doubt, absolutely, um, surely he, capital H, Jesus, has borne our griefs. This word born means to lift, carry, and take away. So the idea is here that he lifted it off of you, allowed it to be placed upon him, and then he carried it away for you. Lifted off of you, allowed it to be placed upon him, and then he carried it away. So what has he borne? He has borne our griefs. Now, I'll be honest with you. This might be, at least for our day and age and, and understanding of the English language, this, this might be one of the worst translation jobs in all the Bible. 
Because when I hear grief, I think somebody giving me grief, and so I think like an annoyance, right? Man, she's been dealing me grief all day long out there, you know, whatever, you know. We, you, you see what I'm saying? We, we think of it like that. And so when it says that he has borne our griefs, we have, um, I think, a wrong understanding. Let me, let me go into the original language here. This word griefs in the original language means disease, sickness, illness. This word translated griefs is meant to communicate to you and me the entire spectrum of sickness and disease, including the minor things like colds and allergies, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, including chronic illnesses and diseases. Literally, the translation is those that hang on. There's the idea of something that is that is ongoing and, and, and seemingly is, is not wanting to turn loose. And, and then the opposite end of that spectrum would be any kind of illness or sickness or disease that would be considered not just chronic, but terminal. Wow. This word sorrows, again, is related to griefs. And notice there's a plural S on griefs. Not grievances, griefs and carried our sorrows, plural. Again, sorrows is an inadequate translation for our modern day use of the language because sorrows here literally means physical pain and suffering. Jesus allowed your sickness, your disease, your illness, your physical pain and suffering, He allowed it to be lifted off of you, placed upon Him, and then He carried it away for you. Amen. I want you to get that mindset this morning. A vision, an, an inward the Bible says that Abraham received Isaac raised from the dead in a figure. In other words, he had pictured it in his mind. He pictured it in his heart. I want you this morning to see Jesus taking the pain off of your knee, placing it on his back, and carrying it away for you. This is what he did. When we talk about the curse, the Bible says that the curse causeless does not come. In other words, people who, who live under a curse do not live under a curse for no reason. Now that, that gets some people nervous, you know. You, you know, we, we, we start thinking, well, you know, is he talking about me, blah, blah, blah. No, no, see, again, God is a just God. But you've also got to remember, he does not want you and me living under a curse any more than any parent in this room would want one of their children living under a curse. This is why Jesus paid the ultimate price to become a curse for you and bring you out from under that curse. And so everything associated with the curse, Jesus lifted it off of you 
took it upon himself and carried it away. Amen. Now, ultimately, we see that the curse leads to death. But the other key things associated with the curse are things like sickness and poverty. Sickness and poverty are a part of the curse. God did not create us to be sick, and He did not create us to be poor. We were created to be healthy. We were created to be strong. We were created to be whole. We were created to be prosperous. We were created to be successful. We were created to be victorious. We were created to be wealthy. We were created to be generous. Amen. Amen. You see, the thing about sickness is this. Enough sickness will kill you. And enough poverty will kill you. There are people starving to death on planet Earth every day. The curse leads to death. So do you see now when it says that Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us in super abundance? More than enough and then some on top of that. So surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, comma, everyone, comma. In other words, no, no exceptions to this. Every one of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. That word chastisement means punishment necessary for our peace. This is speaking of the healing and restoration for us both mentally and emotionally. See, the curse doesn't just take a toll on the outward man. The curse takes a toll on the inward man as well. When Jesus became a curse for you and a curse for me, He bore our sin, He bore our sickness, He bore our disease, and He also bore the punishment for our emotional and mental health and well-being. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen to me. I know, I know I'm out of time this morning. We've got some other things to do. Listen to me, please. All right? Not trying to offend anybody. I'm going I'm to show you in the scriptures tonight um, 
Like, for instance, in the New Testament, we see it this clearly, that although Jesus was wealthy, don't you believe it for a moment that Jesus lived an impoverished life on planet Earth? He was given many lifetimes of wealth at his birth. When he said that the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, he wasn't saying he was homeless. Read the Gospel of John. He invited some of those early disciples to his home where he met with them and talked with them and they ate with him. Jesus was so wealthy that he had a crook for a bookkeeper and still had lots of money. And when Judas went to betray him, it was very late at night. The disciples assumed that he was going to help somebody in need with some money. Do you realize how often they helped people with money for them to automatically assume when he got up from the table and left that that's what he was going to do? The Bible says, I'll show it to you tonight, even though he was rich, he became poor so that we could be poor. <laughs> so that we could become rich. Poverty is a part of the curse. Jesus became poor. He became impoverished to buy you and me out from under. Did he deserve to be poor? Did we deserve to be poor? Yes, we did deserve to be poor. We were under the curse. Right? They're trying to hurt your feelings again. You, you got you to own it for you can disown it. See, I'm trying to show you something here. We, 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 we deserved it. He didn't. But he became impoverished. He became poor. He became the curse of poverty. How do you become the curse of poverty? By becoming poor. feel like I'm not getting you there this morning where we need to be. He became poor so that we, and you're going to see this word used over and over again, so that we might become rich. That we might become rich. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why is there a might there? Well, he brought them out so that he could bring them in. But there's some cooperation on our part, right? That's required for us to not just come out from under the curse so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon. Amen. Singers, musicians, would you please come? Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, became sin for us. Again, what does that mean? He took your sin, lifted it off of you, allowed it to be placed upon Him, and then He carried it to the cross. Where did He take it after that? He took it to the grave, then went into death and hell itself. 
But when he was raised from the dead, he didn't have any of that with him anymore. He didn't have your sin with him when he came back. He didn't have your sickness with him when he came back. He didn't have your poverty with him when he came back. He left all of that. And the Bible says that we've now been raised together with him. Free from the curse. Free from the curse. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask those who are serving communion if you would please come. Please come. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. It's a very steep roof, but I really want to just, I want to climb up on top of it this morning and holler at the top of my lungs. Been redeemed from the curse. Been redeemed from the curse. The devil never wants you to understand this, my friend. And so when we don't understand it, we welcome into our lives characteristics of the curse that we are no longer enslaved to. Amen. Let me pray over you. Father, thank you for the men and women in this room today. And Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, we would connect with the reality of this truth that we are no longer under the curse. We have been set free from the weight and the oppression of it because Jesus bore every aspect of that curse for us by becoming a curse in our place balancing the scales of justice and then tipping them in our favor. So, Father, this morning we can have sweet fellowship and even oneness with you. Father, I thank you for helping us develop the mindset of someone who has been redeemed from the curse of the law and has been blessed with the blessing of Abraham. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The gentlemen are coming.